You're listening to the Soul's Human Experience Podcast. Together, we'll explore everything from spiritual topics to personal development so you can uplevel your human experience and make it the best one it can possibly be. I'm your host, Anna Schlinghoff. I'm a best-selling author, Reiki master, and transformation coach on a mission to remind you who you really are and all that you're capable of in this lifetime. Now let's get into today's topic. Hello, magical souls, and welcome to another episode of the Soul's Human Experience podcast. Today, I want to talk about limiting beliefs or ego stories, which are all of those narratives, thoughts in your head that don't serve you. I'm going to discuss what they are, the impact that they have on you, and if you want to know how to get rid of them, be sure to stick around until the end of the episode because I'm going to be sharing with you my favorite way to eliminate limiting beliefs where you can follow along and try it for yourself. Let's get into it. What are limiting beliefs or ego stories? First of all, your ego, the voice in your head, can be thought of as a companion. There's a lot of talk about ego death and the idea that the ego must be killed or suppressed in order to overcome it. Why would we want to overcome it? Well, The ego does have quite a bad reputation, and maybe rightfully so, for feeding you an often constant stream of negative thoughts. In my book, The Soul's Human Experience, I compare the ego to that one person around the campfire or at the sleepover who wants to tell scary stories, but no one else wants to hear them, but it can't help itself and does it anyway. And you're like, la la la, I'm trying not to listen, but I can still hear you. And then those stories are also heard by the subconscious mind. And if repeated enough times, well, now that scary story has imprinted in your brain, affecting you emotionally, maybe even physically as it manifests in your life. So it's pretty easy to see why your ego is generally thought of as an enemy and not as a friend. It's also responsible for defining a sense of personal identity as in a separate entity, a separate sense of self. That's a double-edged sword because there's a good side and a not-as-good side to that. The good side is your individuality as a person, your preferences, your style, and your opinions are all unique expressions of you thanks to your ego. The downside to the individual sense of self is separateness. Feeling separated, meaning separated from oneness, oneness with the universe and everyone and everything in it, is pretty much the cause of all suffering, in a nutshell. And that is very present and reinforced in our society. If you think about it, the pressure to stand out from the crowd, you know, what makes you different from everyone else? I love something that Brene Brown wrote in her most recent book, Atlas of the Heart. It was something to the effect of, we all want to stand out while still fitting in. And when I heard that, I was like, wow. So we have this idea of oneness, yet being individuated, a, a piece of that oneness, and the ego fits in nicely to that part. And on the very ego end of the spectrum, the feelings of separateness, we find pain there. And that's because feeling separate from others or our greater power 
leads us to comparison and to judgment of ourselves and others. Worry, sadness, fear, really all of those are different manifestations of fear, but those are all likely going to cause you some level of pain. And that is thanks to the ego's need to feel different and independent. It's not your fault. It just comes with the territory of being a human. And when we can recognize that, then we can take a step back and offer ourselves compassion. Honestly, I personally think it is entirely unhelpful advice to try and suppress or even extreme eliminate your ego because as long as you are alive, you will have an ego, period. So constantly putting energy behind trying to eliminate something that will never go away is a fruitless endeavor. And maybe you're thinking, okay, but what about people who have become enlightened? They don't have an ego. If they are still alive in a human body, they still have an ego. The difference is they've just trained it in such a way, maybe an extreme way, that it isn't reactive in the same way that it often is for the average person. And when I think of people with highly, highly trained egos, I can't help but wonder if they are suppressing part of their humanness that they're supposed to be experiencing. We come here to be human. That's their choice, of course, and I respect it, but I think the ego is such an important part of what makes this human experience what it is. And life would be a lot less exciting without it. That's good and bad. Sure, there would be less pain, less suffering, but it would also be less fun because it would just always kind of be more or less one flat level of feeling or presence. I believe we're here to experience the highs and the lows and have this whole spectrum of emotions and experiences to feel. And of course, there are infinite situations, challenges, and joys here for us. If you've ever listened to Abraham Hicks, you may have heard they say, a belief is just a thought you keep thinking. When you have your ego spewing these scary thoughts over and over, then it becomes a belief, something you hold to be true because of that repetition. Typically, limiting beliefs revolve around several general themes, of which I would say the most common are around money, worthiness, relationships, career, and success. And some examples of how those might manifest more specifically could look something like, I am unworthy or I am not good enough, money is limited, hard to come by, and I don't have enough of it, I'm unlovable or undeserving of love, I'll never have the career or the relationship that I want, everything is difficult for me, or I'll never be successful or achieve my goals and dreams. Those are a few of the most common, and everyone's limiting beliefs are going to vary based off the human experience that you've had up until this point in your life. Which brings me to where limiting beliefs come from in the first place. 
Up until about the age of eight, your subconscious mind is pretty much your only mind. And this subconscious mind doesn't understand logic, which means it takes everything as truth. And that makes sense if you stop to consider your limiting beliefs or fears, and especially when it comes to phobias. These all come from the subconscious mind, and often they don't make any logical sense. So as a kid, everything you hear and are told goes straight to your subconscious mind and imprints as truth. The collection of those imprints then becomes your programming. One of my mentors, Allie Campbell, has a really great analogy of a cell phone to explain this, and I want to share that with you. So when you're born, you're like a brand new cell phone. You've got the most basic apps that are pre-installed and you can perform your most basic functions. Then over time, in the first eight-ish years of your life, you receive these imprints or programming, which is like installing an app on your phone. So for example, say you're seven and another kid at school makes fun of your food at lunch. I'm using that example because that was one of mine. My feelings were hurt and I thought there must be something wrong with me. That got downloaded and installed as an app. So you can see how the analogy works, right? You start collecting these apps the first decade-ish of your life, and that's not to say all of them are bad. There's good imprinting and programming too. Like someone said you were really smart and that created an app or a belief that you are a smart person. But I don't think there's a person on this earth who hasn't had some kind of negative imprinting. It's near impossible just because of the nature of the world. Humans are imperfect. So even if you grew up in the most loving and supportive home, school, friends, other outside influences open up a whole new space of possibility to receive programming. And everyone has had stuff that has impacted them. And at some point, often many, many years later as adults, Many of us realize we are running apps or beliefs that don't serve us, and some can be very detrimental. It's tricky because what we believe becomes our reality. So if you believe that you are unworthy of money, for example, that is the reality you're going to experience, one without money or not much of it. Even if you don't realize that where that's coming from is subconscious. The good news is that your limiting beliefs, ego stories, fears, phobias do not have to be permanent, not by a long shot. If we take the cell phone analogy again, at any time you can go into settings and wipe your whole phone. One tap and it's back to default factory settings. You could do that with your beliefs too. It, it's possible. Obviously, you probably don't want to delete your positive and empowering beliefs, but you can go in and select one by one which ones to get rid of. It, it really is that easy. The question is then, how do you do that? How do you delete the unworthiness app, the I am not as good as app, and so on? There are many approaches to working with limiting beliefs. If you are new to this kind of work, maybe you're just starting out, starting to identify what yours are, then a really good starting point is simple reframing 
by journaling. And what you would do is list out all of your limiting beliefs that you can identify. Then next to it, write either the opposite of the belief or what you would rather believe. So if we take the example again of feeling unworthy of having money, you would first write the belief in your own words in the way that it shows up for you. That could be, money is evil, I'll never be wealthy, I don't deserve money. However, it specifically shows up for you. What is the story, the repeating narrative that you hear in your mind about that specific belief? That is what you want to write down. Then, on the opposite side of the page, you would write the opposite or what you would rather believe. So, instead of money is evil, maybe it's money is a neutral energy that can do good in the world. It's important that what you write in this step feels aligned for you because if it doesn't, then it's going to be difficult to get your mind on board with it. If you don't feel aligned with what you'd rather believe, then you can preface it by writing... I am open to the idea, or I see it might be possible, or I could see myself as someone who fill in the blank. If instead you just wrote, I'm a billionaire, neither your conscious mind nor your subconscious mind, and and not your body either for that matter, is going to buy into that. Your body might have like an immediate reaction Pay attention to the physical responses you have when writing both the limiting beliefs themselves and the opposite or what you'd rather believe because the way that you react will tell you a lot about how you actually feel about it. If you twitch or energetically cringe or slightly shudder at the thought, that's a sign of resistance. And so that's a good way to know what's triggering to you, what doesn't feel aligned, and conversely, what does if it really resonates for you and and it's it's more of a ah that feels right now if you are already well aware of your beliefs and you want to go a level deeper i highly recommend either hypnosis eft nlp or a combination of those in hypnosis you're talking directly to the subconscious mind and therefore going straight to the settings for change at the source. It's super effective, it can be used for tons of different things, and it's been an approved treatment modality by the American Medical Association since 1959. But it's probably the least accessible method of these three methods, because I think for the most optimal results with hypnosis, it's best to work one-on-one with a hypnotherapist. Earlier this year, I took a hypnotherapy course. Partly because of that, I wanted to learn self-hypnosis. And so I do self-hypnosis on myself now. And I think it's a fantastic tool if hypnosis is something you feel called to try. And you can also find plenty of free hypnosis sessions on YouTube for pretty much anything. If you type in like hypnosis for confidence or hypnosis for insomnia, like whatever it is, you can probably find it on YouTube. So there are free and accessible ways to do hypnosis, but those ways are not going to be specifically customized to you or working one-on-one in the way that you would with a hypnotherapist, which doesn't mean that you won't get results. You absolutely can, and I encourage you to try it. 
Another modality to try is EFT or emotional freedom technique or simply known as tapping. And all that tapping is, is literally tapping on specific meridian points of the body while saying how you feel, what you'd rather feel, etc. And it's it's basically a way of moving stuck energy in the body to get it out. And traumas or limiting beliefs really are just trapped emotions in the body. So this is a great way to release that. I love tapping because I think it's the most accessible of these three methods. You can do it anywhere, anytime, and you don't need a practitioner to do it. Of course, that can help. But again, you can find lots of great tapping videos on YouTube as well. It took me a while to get into tapping and initially I was not that interested in it, but it's really grown on me over the years and I think it's a really great tool to have in your tool belt. I was first introduced to it by another Reiki master who swears by it as part of energy practice, which makes sense. You're moving energy in the body. But at the time, I was more interested in Reiki, so I just was kind of like, eh, I'm not interested in that. It didn't really resonate with me at the time. But I kept coming back to it. I kept trying it here and there, and now I'd say it is one of my go-tos in my tool belt of practices. And Brad Yates specifically on YouTube is phenomenal. He has a tapping video for pretty much anything you could ever think of. The last method is NLP or Neuro Linguistic Programming. And if you've seen any of my TikToks on NLP or visited the coaching page of my website, then you already know that this is my favorite method. And definitely go watch my NLP TikToks if you haven't seen them. So as I said, NLP, it stands for Neuro Linguistic Programming. And in the future, I think I'll do a dedicated episode all about NLP, so I won't go too much into it here. I'll just go over the basics. So basically, it's a method of producing a response based on information your mind takes in from your five senses. Like that's NLP in a nutshell. So if in the past you produced a negative response to a negative experience, and that has since become a limiting belief for you, NLP can actually go in and produce a different response to that stored experience or to that memory. It is seriously so cool. Like you can literally remove the negative emotion that's attached to a past painful memory. I did this with the memory I mentioned earlier where another kid made fun of my lunch. And so now when I think about it, I can no longer access the sadness that was attached to it. Like, I remember it, but I don't feel anything when I think about it. The emotion is the glue that keeps that limiting belief stuck, keeps the negative energy stuck in your body. So when you remove the emotion, you remove the glue, and the belief falls away. This honestly blew my mind when I learned about it, and I learned about it completely by accident because I was more interested in learning hypnosis, but they sort of overlap in a way, so therefore I was kind of led to it through wanting to learn self-hypnosis, and I became way more fascinated with NLP than hypnosis in the end. But anyway, there are no accidents, and so there you go. I thought it would be fun to do a little NLP follow-along, and you could try it for yourself. So before we do that, just a disclaimer, you will need to close your eyes for this, and I also recommend being somewhere quiet where you won't be disturbed. So 
Come back to this later and try it if you can't do that right now. But if you can, or you're coming back, here we go. First, I'd like you to identify one of your limiting beliefs. And please practice discretion when choosing because I'm not there with you one-on-one. So please don't choose a level 10 trauma because this might not be appropriate for that and I have no way of knowing that. So choose something that's like a level 6 or 7 for you. Some limiting belief that is particularly annoying to you. And so if it's safe for you to do so, once you've got it, close your eyes and I just want you to hear this limiting belief playing in your head. Just go ahead and let it play. Let it run. And I want you to notice whose voice it is and what is the tone of voice. And just notice if you see any images associated with this belief as it plays. Perhaps memory flashbacks, single images, and if there's any feeling attached to it, what do you feel in your body as this belief plays? I just want you to notice all of those things and let them be there. If you do have any images attached to this limiting belief that you're seeing in your mind's eye, and if you don't, just skip this part, but if you do, go ahead and make them black and white. Then I want you to see them getting hazy, pixelated, and shrinking. Shrinking and halving in size until they become about the size of a stamp. Now we'll turn our attention to the belief itself, the the audio of the belief playing in your head. And I just want you to go ahead and start to turn down the volume of that belief. If it's at a nine, take it to an eight. If it's at an eight, take it to a seven. If it's at a seven, take it to a six. And so on and so forth. Keep turning it down. You can even imagine a volume dial and just keep turning the volume down until it's a one or a zero. So now you have quiet, possibly a stamp-sized, blurry, black and white image. And if there's anything left, if there's any feelings in the body associated with this belief that are that should be the only thing left, I just want you to pop those feelings out right in front of you. Pop them right out of your body now. And again, if you're visual, you might picture them as a shape or a color or something specific and just let it fall to the floor, whatever it is, whether you see it or not, let it fall and get sucked into the earth to be recycled into goodness. Now I want you to go ahead and give yourself a big hug with your arms squeezing yourself tightly. As you do that, take a deep breath in and let it go. Maybe even let a smile come across your face if you're feeling particularly good. And then open your eyes. Notice what rating you have now versus starting at a six or a seven. What would you say that you are now? 
And there is no right or wrong answer, but hopefully you're feeling a bit lighter. Maybe if you were a seven, you're a six, a five, a four. Maybe if you're a six, you're a five, four, three. And maybe you're a two, one, zero. It's also possible that you could have no change or feel it even more strongly because you accessed it and you may need another round. So you can repeat that. For example, if you were a seven and now you are a five, do it again. Do it again and do it again until you get it down. Anything below a four is considered dissipated and you could work it all the way down as much as you want. So that is a brief intro to an NLP exercise and there are many of them. That's just one. So I want to end this episode with this question. What would you do if you no longer had limiting beliefs? How would your life be different? Where would you go? What would you do? How would you act? What would you have? I just want to give you some food for thought on the impact that working on your beliefs can have. So I'd encourage you to reflect on that, maybe even journal about it, try rewriting your stories, go to YouTube for hypnosis and EFT, come back to this episode for NLP anytime. I hope that this has served you in some capacity. And if it has, I would be so grateful if you could let me know by leaving a review for the show. This episode will also go live in the initial launch of the podcast. So as I said in the last episode, I would love to answer your questions, offer you guidance, or if you have a story you'd like to share related to one of the episodes, please email it to me at hello at anashlinghoff.com and I will see you in the next episode. Thanks for listening to the Soul's Human Experience podcast. If you enjoyed today's chat, click the follow button so that you never miss an episode. Please support this podcast by leaving a review, which helps ensure you get more episodes to benefit your human experience.